0: This episode of the VergeCast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Have you ever automatically uploaded all of your photos to iCloud by accident? That's not smart, but you know what is smart? Hiring with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply, so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the United States based on a trust pilot rating of hiring sites with over 1,000 reviews. Now Vergecast listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Verge. That's ZipRecruiter.com Verge. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hello and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of TheVerge.com and the Vox Media Podcast Network VMPN. That's what the suits want me to say. You let me know if that's what you, the listener, want me to say. Vimpin, mm. <laughs> Vimpin. Anyway, I'm your friend Neil. Paul Miller is here. Hello. We're joined by Ashley Carmen. Hello, Ashley, host of Why'd You Push That Button?
1: The very one. It's that's coming. Me. Is is coming.
0: October 17th. Yes. Ooh, but we have we'll, a date. That's great. We have we'll have date. our
1: trailer next week. It's all happening.
0: And Dieter, you heard his voice. How are you doing, Dieter? I'm doing really
2: well. I'm very uh, excited that we are in the, I think, the back half of Hardware Silly Season, I hope. We'll see. But uh, meanwhile, there's like, other huger news other than, you know, random new uh, devices getting released. A lot of stuff going on.
0: A lot of stuff going on. So uh, a a very busy week in the technology world. There was a big Microsoft event. We're going to have Dan Seifert on in a little bit to talk about all the stuff that happened there. Uh, There's a Google event next week. Google has already kindly just leaked everything to us. So that'll be great. <laughs> we're going we're to we're talk about what's happening next week a little bit. That'll be fun. But we got to start with kind of two blockbuster stories that have broken over the past few days. One is a big Facebook breach. Facebook says 50 million accounts uh, could have been compromised. This is through a hack in a feature where Facebook suggested that you make a video to say happy birthday to your friends, and then you could view your profile as them, and then your user auth token got lifted. <laughs> it could be used to log like, in other apps. It's a real hazy sequence Sounds of events right. in there. <laughs> but basically, if you ever said happy birthday to anyone on Facebook, your identity has been stolen, as far as I can tell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes,
3: that's exactly
0: correct. It's <laughs> not, not it at all. Um, but 50 million accounts so far have been compromised. We won't go into... Detail the way Facebook dealt with it is it logged everybody out. So, if Facebook has logged you out, you got to log back in, reset your auth token. There has not been much more reported on that story in the past few days. In fact, our headline is What We Still Don't Know About the Facebook Data Breach. Usually, with these things, they metastasize over time. So, we're still looking for that. So, that's one huge story. The second big story broke this morning, Thursday, as we record Bloomberg's cover. Is a tiny little chip, a picture of a chip on a finger, on the cover of Bloomberg Business this week. Their story alleges that Chinese spies broke into the supply chain of a server company called Supermicro in China.
1: Well, that they probably worked for the server company,
0: right? Well, they were. They didn't like break
1: in at night and were like, do 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 plant the chips.
0: I should let you explain it.
1: No, you explain it. Anyway, the point is, servers
0: were compromised. Well, the reason Ashley's here is because Ashley, (laughs) before she became a senior button reporter at The Verge. She was a a spy. She was a Chinese (laughs)
1: spy. She was a Chinese spy. No, (laughs) Ashley used to be a security (laughs) reporter.
0: She wrote a follow for us in this piece, uh, so I want her to explain it all to me. But basically, the allegation is uh, servers made by a company called Supermicro were compromised at the assembly stage. It was discovered by Amazon. Those servers were used by a bunch of companies, including Apple. And here's the thing, the companies are strenuously denying that this happened. So, Ashley, tell us tell us the better, the more accurate version of the story.
1: I mean, that's about right. Like, essentially, Bloomberg published this piece that just says that the Chinese government is working with this company called Supermicro that is, like, a huge motherboard creator. They work with all these parts and, like, is essential to the supply chain everywhere to install a microchip on the motherboard that's not supposed to be there that, can essentially give attackers, and the Chinese government in this case, crazy access to Mm -hmm. companies' networks, like all sorts of access. So they're claiming that Apple has them, Amazon had them, um, and then a big U.S. bank that we don't know the name of had them. The government might have had like this microchip. And this is really bad. This is like... Doomsday scenario because, like, the supply chain is reliant on China. Right. If we can't go to China for parts anymore, <laughs> um, we have a problem.
0: There's, there's no more phones.
1: There's yeah. Like, sorry guys, <laughs> no more iPhones.
0: Right. So the chip. The reason I, I was saying the picture on the cover of Bloomberg is really small. Mm-hmm. So itty bitty chip,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and it says it's it looks like another part, mm-hmm. and the Chinese. The way the government spies got the chip on the board. Mm-hmm. Is they went to the plant middle managers and said, hey, let us alter these products that are being made mm-hmm. or we'll shut you down with lengthy inspections, which is the, the threat like,
1: of lengthy inspections.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is like a well, third world corruption right. standard tactic, right? Like the government will inspect you, but really we're just shutting you down. Right. What gets me is that there's this huge gap between Bloomberg saying we have six Sources in the government and national security. We started reporting this under the Obama administration And now we've confirmed with the Trump administration They're just straight up saying here's what happened Mm -hmm. and then Apple and Amazon are straight up saying this did not
3: happen
1: Yeah, like like point by point have issued statements like Bloomberg has a separate piece on its website about this That is just statements to Bloomberg about how wrong they are but like what's interesting to me, is that so I've been talking to Russell about this. Everyone Mm -hmm. knows Russell. We've been talking about how if these companies admitted to let's just say, if they said straight up like these microchips are on our servers, like that has huge implications beyond just this one incident. Like that could mean, again, they'd have to drastically alter their supply chain. It would mean profit loss because if you start doing things in the US, you have to pay people more and then profits are already like very slim with hardware. So like Admitting this actually means a lot more than just like, okay, this incident happened, like, let's move past it. It it has implications beyond that.
0: I'm with you on that. I just want to make sure we, we read these denials for the audience. So here's Amazon. It's untrue that AWS knew about a supply chain compromise, an issue with malicious chips or hardware modifications when acri- acquiring Elemental. Which is
1: <laughs> that's just like a whole other.
0: It's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> it's also untrue that AWS knew about servers containing malicious chips or modifications in data centers based in China, or that AWS worked with the FBI to investigate or provide data about malicious hardware. We've re-reviewed our records relating to the Elemental acquisition for any issues related to Supermicro, including re-examining third-party security audit that we conducted in 2015. We found no evidence to support claims of malicious chips or hardware. I mean, this is—they're like this didn't happen. Like we didn't.
1: That is like goes completely against what Bloomberg reported.
0: And then Apple yeah. just sounds insulted. <laughs>
1: just,
0: like Apple's statement is like, how dare you, sir? <laughs> so here's Apple. Over the course of the past year, Bloomberg has contacted us multiple times with claims, sometimes vague and sometimes elaborate, of an alleged security <laughs> incident at Apple. Each time we have conducted rigorous internal investigations based on their inquiries, and each time we have found absolutely no evidence to support any of them, we have repeatedly and consistently offered factual responses on the record, refuting virtually every aspect of Bloomberg's story relating to Apple. On this, we can be very clear. Apple has never found malicious chips, hardware manipulations, or vulnerabilities purposely planted in any server. Apple never had any contact with the FBI or any other agency about such an incident. We are not aware of any investigation by the FBI, nor are our contacts in law enforcement. So that's the two big companies. Supermicro is already out there. They're the, the companies sort of at the center of this. They also have a denial. Those are furious denials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not, we're
2: investigating. I mean, clearly they've known this story is coming for a while and they've been like building, they've been like sitting there getting angry over time, I think. Yeah. Um. I mean, one possible explanation is that I think these statements get rid of is like, the PR people are deliberately kept out of the loop because of the rushing nesting dolls of like OPSEC security, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true that they're flat out lying. Uh, there's a idea out in the world that they are told uh, by the government for national security purposes that they have to lie something something but that seems pretty conspiratorial to me. So yeah, like trying to square my inherent trust in what I read in like the Bloomberg report and their like characterization of their reporting with the just vehement denials from especially Amazon and Apple. Uh, I do not know how to do that yet. There that that is a circle and I don't know how
0: to square it. So Ash, what's your your read? Right there's I don't think the government's going to tell Apple and Amazon to deny this. And any, it really feels much more like the Trump administration would love. This is like, this see is, China? We need
1: the take. Trump was right.
0: Yeah, China's bad. China's <laughs> yeah. screwing us. Yeah. Here, more tariffs, we're shutting it down, move all this manufacturing in the United States. Mm-hmm. Is that your read?
1: Well, I do want to just point out, so I didn't actually realize this a couple, a year, two years ago at this point, or a year ago. Uh, the Information published a piece about Apple severing its relationship with Supermicro after finding like a malicious firmware on the servers. So like this story has been brewing for a yeah. minute. And it's interesting that it's come out now. But uh, I, have, I just think... I I mean, Apple, this would be huge. If Apple was like, yeah, we had bad chips on our servers, like Apple's whole thing is privacy and like being the one secure company in this world you can trust. I can see why they'd want to deny this report, (laughs) like for sure. And also the implication that like, again, if this happened, Trump has that case right there to be like, all right, so why are we not... Why are the iPhones not built here? Yeah. Why are the parts not here? Why this? You know, it's like giving ammo to this well, issue that's I, the, already I, I
0: hot. Don't, I don't think the Trump administration is like particularly worried about triangulating the difference between the Bloomberg report and what no, Apple yeah. Amazon <laughs> it are saying. They're yeah. just going to take the Bloomberg report and be like, it's happening.
1: True. But why give them more, I guess?
0: Yeah. I, Paul, do you have any sense of how this actually works? Physically. Yeah, like the the sort of technical claim at the heart of this story is
3: fuzzier than you would think. Well, as far as encryption, if you're encrypting data locally on your device, then even if it goes through or is stored on remote servers, it's not transparent to those servers. So they could obviously depending on how sophisticated this chip is, they could somehow see some quantity of activity they could possibly log activity of a server or or anything that's done in the clear would be possible to sniff. But even then, I mean, this is a very small chip. I, I really wonder how much it's actually capable of. So the... The reporting so I the read. key is to encrypt everything locally and never trust anybody ever. I feel
0: like Paul's going to
3: – he's turning us into a crypto show whether we
0: want to be one or not.
1: <laughs> well, it was either Bloomberg or someone I talked to that was saying that essentially when it's on the hardware level, like, encryption doesn't matter. Like, right. this chip can say don't check for a password. Don't check for encryption. And it won't. Right. Like, that – it just bypasses all security measures because it's on the hardware level.
0: So when it's – Claim to be able to do again. This is Bloomberg's reporting. The companies have completely denied that it even exists. Let alone has these capabilities. But what Bloomberg claims it can do is it injects code into the operating system that then the operating system will start talking to another computer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know how that. that like, let's just pull. It, let's be skeptical of Bloomberg for a second. To pull that off, you have to have the designs of the motherboard that Supermicro is building for. Uh, Amazon or Apple or Elemental, which is this company Amazon acquired. You have to know which ones they're going to buy. So you have to have like the purchase order from Apple that says, we want this motherboard. Supermicro, I think, has like 600 designs that you can further customize. So you have to know exactly what they're ordering. Then you have to like find the right plant manager (laughs) to compromise with your threat of inspections. (laughs) You have to make sure they're not going to tell their boss or whatever. They're not going to tell Apple. Then you have to like design the part that will do the thing with Apple's code or Amazon's code that you think will lead to the right result. Then you have to modify the design of the board such that Apple doesn't see it. And then you have to actually manufacture the board and ship it to Apple such that Apple or Amazon don't figure it out. There's a world in which it's, it's not that
2: uh, targeted. So if this part turns out to be pretty cheap... And presumably, you know, there's 100 different server designs, but they don't all like they're not all completely unique. And so if you get in early enough and be like, all right, the the basic way that the, you know, BIOS works for the talking to this processor is this on all of these things. Early on, we can make this thing, you know, dirt cheap and we're just going to throw it into everything. And uh, and then like later on. If we determine that our, you know, giant pile of tiny little sliver-sized chips are out in the universe and we know that, or we suspect that some of them are being used by Apple, we turn those ones on remotely or do whatever we do there, you know, like, all these servers are out in the world. Uh, they just, they're everywhere because they're cheap. And then eventually one of them, they all start, like, phoning home every now and then. And then you're like, oh, wait, this one phoned home from an Apple server farm. And then you, you like... Start communicating with that one. Like, that's the that's the thing that seems more likely to me, given the way that they've described the tech. But again, I'm in this crazy position where like the denials are so like strenuous and straightforward, and Apple's even like we're not under any confidentiality agreement. Like we're just saying what we're saying. That uh, there there has to be another turn here to like actually explain what's going on.
3: Another possible way for this to work was if you just I mean think about Spectre and Meltdown, right? That's just vulnerabilities and how the chip actually works. And you still need very specialized knowledge to attack it. But if this chip only adds a slight vulnerability to a system, and then you can kind of choose when you want to go after it, and then you hack in based on a vulnerability that you created with this tiny little chip. Yeah. But yeah, I still don't... I have no way to read this this whole denial situation. It just yeah. doesn't make... I mean, they're just... This sense. is,
0: I would say... You know, we we're going to have this week in Elon coming up from Liz and like Liz and I spend a lot of time talking about how you communicate to investors lately because that is the only Elon story that exists. These denials are such that if they're lying, this is material to their shareholders, right? Right. These are lawsuit denials. These are if you are lying, your shareholders are going to sue your company for lying about a massive material problem to your business. This is did your CEO approve this statement? Did he know it was a lie? level denial, right? It's there's no hedge, there's no loophole. They've clarified, you know, like they're not being shy. Which to me suggests maybe I got it wrong. But Bloomberg is a really good outlet with great reporters who tend not to get things wrong. So that's like a that's a big space. Ashley, you describe this as like the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And so I want to lean on your sort of security reporter background. Why is this the worst case scenario?
1: So, I've talked to a few different security experts for this follow up piece that we're writing. But um, you can have a ton of software security, like encryption, whatnot. But again, if you're on the hardware level, like everything you do does not matter. And it's very hard to detect. So, like we mentioned, how they can ping back to servers, whatever. Those aren't registered as like a, you know, it's not like a ton of traffic or data being sent out. Like it literally would be like a little blip, a little weird but nothing for like cause for concern, you know, red alarms, whatever. It's more just like, oh, that was okay, like huh. But then maybe eventually if you saw it in the aggregate or something like that, you'd be like, oh, something weird is going on here. But you're probably not going to see that.
2: The way you're describing it is literally the like Hollywood movie bad cop TV show equivalent of somebody hacks into the security camera feed and the security guard sees the blip and like taps their screen (laughs) and like "Eh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how it's been described to me. And what's interesting is like Intel, I guess, has its uh, management engine Mm -hmm. that's on their chips, but you can't even see that without a microscope. So, like, think about how tiny those chips are. Like, even if you were going to physically inspect every aspect of a motherboard, you might not see these chips. Like, okay, so you can't really tell what's happening on, like, the network layer. You can't tell physically if you were going to inspect every last bit of it. It's very difficult to see. Maybe, like, bug bounty, for example, is a solution sometimes for vulnerabilities. But in this case... Most hackers don't have access to super micros, yeah. like specifically targeted motherboards. So like there, you can't really rely on the hacking community unless they like took a vested interest in this. So like there's there's no way to really play this as like, oh, we could detect this easily. Everyone I've talked to is like, yeah, this is a problem that like there's no safety measures. Right. There's no way to figure this out.
0: They've been they've been ringing the alarm about this forever. Yeah, and yeah. now it's happening. Or yeah, not exactly. Happening. I mean, the the gulf between – again, the gulf between the report and the denials is so vast that it's hard to just say with any certainty what is going on.
1: Right. It's – yeah. Like, Uh, who knows? And
0: by the way, to Bloomberg's credit – and again, Bloomberg is a great outlet with terrific reporters. They just printed all these denials in their piece. They are that confident. Right. Like there's the piece, and as Ashley mentioned earlier, there's a link in the middle of that piece that's just like read the full denials. <laughs> <laughs> you just like click it and there's Apple saying Bloomberg is wrong. Um so they're 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 feeling very confident in their reporting as well. So what happens next?
1: Well, I feel like we gotta figure out what's true here. Yeah. Like until something moves in that direction, I don't know what more can be done unless Trump all of a sudden is like starts pointing to this and then starts moving in the, like like regulation front.
0: Yeah. That's Supreme Court distractions, just a small distraction <laughs> yeah. right now, right? Um, but I mean, this is like, this is ammunition for him.
1: Right. I mean, th- he could go there. Again, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. it could happen. I really don't know
3: so anymore. It's hard for the US given the fact that the NSA has done exactly this.
1: Well, yeah. yeah like the US has done, um, so there were some Snowden docs around like hardware. Yeah. Tampering. So
0: I think famously HP just cooper- just went ahead and cooperated with the NSA at one point. Uh, there's a building, like a Verizon building here that just appears to be where the NSA lives. Sick. Um, <laughs> Russell's talked about that with us <laughs> before. That's so sick. <laughs> it's great. There's just like a windowless Verizon building, and then like the people go in there and they put on their headphones and listen to your phone calls. Cool. At least that, <laughs> that's what I learned from <laughs> Mr. Robot. I don't know about you guys. Uh, Really, but the, the real question is like you said, how do we find out what's true? So, who is, who's gonna be the truth finder here? Is it Congress calls him up again and says, come and testify and tell me if this is true? It, do they get sued? Is there a researcher who's like, give me your motherboards and I'm gonna check them out for you?
1: I could see some researchers getting in on this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. The government, again, just like, who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Like, I maybe mean- someone will be like, yeah, let's let's fight with Apple today. Yeah, let let summons them or something. But like, <laughs> I, yeah, I I think I, I, the I mean, I, really so, f- I think,
0: <laughs> if only you could see Ashley's face. Um, I'm so tired. The look Eli. on Ashley's face <laughs> is the look that is, is that I feel in my heart, which is even if you get Apple's chief of iCloud security in front of a congressional panel, yeah, are they going to ask even remotely the right question?
1: <laughs> How do I get Siri to work?
0: Yeah, exactly. They're gonna be like, "Look, I've got, I don't know. I just it keeps saying I need more iCloud storage. <laughs> yeah. the Chinese do that? Like, I don't. Can you help me, sir?" And then there's some grandstanding, yeah. and then you know, then there's like a Cory Booker moment, which is always a delight, and then mm-hmm. and then they go home. We right? want Ted mm-hmm.
1: Lieu on this one. <laughs> yeah.
0: So look, this is a huge story. It's not going away. Again, the the, the delta between the the two things. It is just. Incomprehensible, like if you are have been doing journalism for some time.
1: I know because I'm like, I trust Bloomberg. Michael Riley's amazing, he's published some great stories. But then I'm like, damn, Amazon and Apple are like really saying this didn't happen.
0: Lawsuit denials, and I will say, super micros. (laughs) Supermicro's denial is like less While we would cooperate with any government investigation We are not aware of any investigation regarding this topic Nor have we been contacted by any government agency in this regard We are not aware of any customer dropping Supermicro as a supplier for this type of issue
1: This goes back to that information report
0: They've all been, been dropped By the way, if you look at the Supermicro stock chart today it's just like a vertical line down. <laughs> um, yeah, Bloomberg actually tweeted the stock chart, and then they, were, they replied to their own tweet and said, here's our story.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Which is a tough burn.
3: You could also parse Apple's statement a little bit. Like, Apple has never found malicious chips, hardware manipulations, or vulnerabilities purposely planted in any server. That doesn't mean nobody's found those chips.
1: That's true. That's true.
3: Yeah, but then
0: they say, we have found absolutely no evidence to support any of these allegations. Sure. It, I this I don't think this is a parsable statement. Like, I love parsing a corporate statement
3: mm-hmm. and, like,
0: lawyering out and being like, I gotcha, but I I don't... There's nothing to parse here. And if they are playing that kind of game, then they're still, I think, being misleading enough by playing yeah. that game in this situation to trigger a massive wave of shareholder losses. But
3: I would say the emphasis of both of their statements is they're denying knowledge. Obviously, nobody can deny perfect... That no, no server in their whole warehouse is, is compromised because who who has the time? <laughs>
0: right, <laughs> you got to get out there with a microscope <laughs> and a, mm-hmm. and a yeah. oscilloscope, uh, some probably some glasses, other scopes. <laughs> uh, so, wh- what's your next story? You, you've mentioned it a couple times. What's the, what's the next thing you're working on here?
1: Well, so this follower writing. The headline right now is that the supply chain hacking is too big of a problem to solve, which goes back to the idea that just like is the solution to just not get parts from China? Yeah. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. So even if this story is completely true, okay, we'll stop using Supermicro. Cool. Let's go to the next Chinese factory. Like, what is the solution here? There isn't one. It's really hard to detect hardware manipulation. Like, every security researcher I've talked to is like, yeah, good luck. Just assume your hardware is compromised. That's a lot. Like, literally, that's what they've been telling me.
0: Do they sound—what's the tone when they say this? Do they sound defeated, or are they like— Are they drunk? They, Yeah,
1: (laughs) are they— One person offered that maybe the U.S. and China, and I would assume she also meant to say Russia, too, should, like, get in a room and sit down and have a really frank conversation. (laughs) Oh, my. And I was like, okay. That could happen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she knows the countries aren't people,
1: right? <laughs> like, she just wants them all to like, get together and like, be in harmony. Like their trade
0: representatives or security researchers.
1: She just says everyone should get together, chat it out, set some ground rules.
0: Okay. So like, 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 like rules of engagement. Yeah. Like, like, like no warfare stuff, No
1: hardware tampering.
0: Yeah. But China is the only one that makes the hardware.
1: Sure. But, you know, got to talk to China.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's one. Uh, so she just wants to go to a meeting.
1: Someone else recommended the blockchain. Really? <laughs> Paul.
0: There you go, buddy. Did you talk to Paul? I, I, I mean,
1: <laughs> he really was going hard on the blockchain. <laughs> the
3: only You don't need a blockchain to secure this, but you need a, a, a hardware device that ha- you have more trust in. So you, you like trust the manufacturer. You do have to trust somebody at some point to make some object that can encrypt your data with a key that you only you know. Once you encrypt yeah. data with a key that only you know, it is actually truly safe. And that is, as far as I know, the only provably safe thing. Sending plain text over Google servers is a bad idea no matter what. And I think Apple has done a fairly good job that it, if its iPhones aren't compromised, I believe that most customer data should be relatively safe. Right.
0: I saw some tweets to this effect floating around today. Okay, so you've got, let's have a meeting. You've got blockchain. Mm-hmm. Is there mm-hmm. a third option? A meeting about blockchain? Mm. Blockcon? <laughs> Chainconf? Chainconf. <laughs> chain
1: no. So that's th- about. That's as far as we've gotten.
0: So this is either we're decentralizing everything and we're crypto kids for life. Mm-hmm. Give me that Lambo. Or where this is a state
1: A diplomacy problem. Like a
0: state-level diplomacy problem.
1: Yeah. That's why. That's like where I've gotten with this so far.
0: That's incredible.
1: But again, it's like we need to figure out if this is true. It's so hard to do this reporting when everyone's everyone's hedging now. It's kind of like, well, I don't necessarily believe it. Yeah. Like one person was telling me he didn't believe this story because he's like, it's just cheaper to find a person to go work at Apple. Like he's like, I could just go hire a guy on the street to go try to get a job at Apple. He's like, why would you spend all this money and corrupt this entire supply chain, which is also like physical evidence? If they catch your mole in Apple, they'll fire the mole and you're done. Like, done. Yeah. Like, okay. What about it?
3: Or buy a zero day on the black market. Right.
1: Sure. This guy didn't buy it. Okay. For that reason. But I was like, okay, well. I I was like, well, if you implant a chip, the chip can't change its mind.
0: Yeah, the chip isn't going to get like drunk and leave an iPhone.
1: Anymore,
0: <laughs> yeah, right? um, but it's cheaper. You, maybe the Chinese like Chinese spy agencies are like price conscious. They're like they're looking mm. at like the menu and they're like, mm, uh, you know, <laughs> We're I'm gonna going to go with the to chicken. Server <laughs> level today. <laughs> they're like, let's splurge. Yeah. I will, right, Let's call, let's let's go after that factory tonight. Yeah,
1: that's I mean, weird. I hope that's how it works. It's been a hard week in the spy movies. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, Ashley. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. I don't know if that's going to be the headline that Ashley publishes.
1: Oh, wow. Well, I just,
0: I can't promise you. It, it will be. I promise you right now on this show. We're I thought recording you were going to just give
1: me a better headline.
0: Oh, we're all doomed. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds like. Okay. <laughs> it's easier to hire a guy. I thought it was
1: just headline shade.
0: Oh, no. I was just I was just saying read Ashley's story. Oh, but I can't, okay.
1: oh okay. I can't yeah. promise
0: you that you're going to Google exactly that. Oh, okay,
1: okay. Or can I? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Anyway, thank you so much, Ashley, for being yeah. on. Read her story. Read our followers, We'll be all over this. We're listen, gonna listen
1: to the podcast.
0: Plug it, plug it right out. What's your first episode?
1: Well, I think our first episode. So why would you push that button? October seventeenth. First episode will probably be why did you delete your tweets? Ooh. Very controversial. Real big. Yep. I did it. You did it. Did you do it? Yeah. Yeah, you're in it. Definitely. All
0: right, and the trailer is next week. Yes. I'm super excited. On about this. Wednesdays. On Wednesdays. Yes, because so, you
1: guys took our Tuesday slot. <laughs>
0: <Well>. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: I like the interviews, though. They're good. Thanks, Ash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that shade's coming right back That's at that. me. <laughs> that
1: wasn't shade. That was legit. That was legit. Anyway,
0: why'd you push that button? Season three. <laughs> <laughs> it's new Wednesday, date and time. Can't wait. Coming at you. Trailer <laughs> drops next week. First episode, uh, October 17th. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thanks.
1: It's Bye,
0: good. y'all. All right. We are going to listen to an ad. We're going to have this week in Elon with Liz Lapato, And then Dan Seifert's going to tell us all about Microsoft check it out. This episode of VertiChast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Have you ever tried to solve a future problem instead of a current one with your technology? That's definitely not smart. But you know what is smart? Using ZipRecruiter to hire for your business. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Their powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply, so you get qualified candidates fast. Then ZipRecruiter spotlights the top candidates for your job so you never miss out on a great match. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number 1 by employers in the United States based on Trustpilot rating of hiring sites with over 1,000 reviews. Now, Vergecast listeners can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com/verge. That's ziprecruiter.com/verge. ZipRecruiter,
4: the smartest way to hire. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow dirtbags and everybody else, welcome to This Week in Elon. I'm your host Elizabeth Lapato, deputy editor of The Verge. So Thursday, the SEC filed a lawsuit against Elon Musk for securities fraud. And Saturday, Musk settled. Now, uh, as this was going on, it became clear that the SEC had offered to settle with Musk before they filed. And as a result of him refusing the settlement, the fines went up. And so did the period of being banned from being an officer or sorry, a chairman of the board. Now, this leaves us with disarray. I'm going to just talk about some of the less important stuff here, because that's kind of how I roll. First of all, part of the SEC's case came from Elon Musk's tweets, and part of the settlement involved basically having somebody oversee Elon Musk's communications. You could say that the person screaming log off at Elon Musk's house is the SEC. So the question then becomes like, how how would you do this? And ordinarily, there's like a whole like apparatus around a CEO that does the communication for the CEO, and the CEO just doesn't really have to think about it or say anything in public at all if they don't feel like it. But that doesn't really seem to be Elon Musk's MO. So there are a couple of ways this could be done. Uh, One is just to like literally hire somebody to like run his Twitter account for him. Another way is to have him submit his would-be communications to somebody on the board. The problem with that is that it relies on Musk's judgment to do it. And like if you're feeling like sending a Fuego tweet when you're like a little drunk, maybe you aren't like exercising your best judgment right at that moment. I'm not saying I've done it. I'm just saying it's a possibility. All I know is that the best possible outcome for Tesla probably is for Elon Musk to stop tweeting entirely. But I don't see that happening. So I guess we're going to see what happens next because it's also not super clear what happens if Tesla doesn't put these structures in around Musk. But I do want to talk a little bit about the fact that Elon Musk is going to be stepping down as chairman of Tesla's board because I live for this drama. OK, so I think James Murdoch may have announced his campaign for chairman of Tesla in The New York Times because there is a story that like sort of talks about what the board has been up to and says that Elon Musk threatened to leave the company if he was forced to take the settlement. But there's this interesting thing where there's like a paragraph about how the, you know people have been talking about James Murdoch as a possible chairman. They floated his name. And then there is the sentence, but Murdoch hasn't volunteered for the post, nor has he discussed it with any other director. So exactly one person is a reliable source for that sentence without any, like, to the sources knowledge qualifications. And that person is James Murdoch. So it looks like James Murdoch, although he has not volunteered for the post or discussed it with any other director, has in fact discussed it with the New York Times. So it seems like he's interested, I would say. I'm very curious to see what happens next, because there are a couple of other folks on the board that might be angry. Singling, to be chair. But obviously my hope for this whole thing is that it is a public and messy fight that I get to watch it all. The other, other weird thing that's going on, don't get me wrong, it's been a weird week, is that somebody appears to be smearing SpaceX. So there's these anti-SpaceX op-eds that have been showing up in, in space towns like Houston. And they appear to be placed by a PR firm called Law Media Group. Now this is all reporting by Ars Technica, by the way. You should You should definitely check it out because it's a really interesting story. And the thing about this PR firm, Law Media Group, is that Boeing is one of their clients. And even more curiously, Boeing has no comment on the matter. Now, here's the thing. If somebody accused me of smearing a competitor using a shadowy law firm and plausible deniability and I hadn't done it, I feel like your answer is like, what is wrong with you? No, absolutely not. I am like, are you kidding me right now? This is ridiculous. This is absurd. I am insulted. But that's not the route that Boeing chose. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, (laughs) It's it's been a messy news week here in Elon land. And I hope it has been less messy for you all. Incidentally, if you enjoy this update, I do have a newsletter. It's also called This Week in Elon. You can sign up at TheVerge.com, and you will get my extraordinarily good color commentary on all of this mess. That's This Week in Elon. I'm Elizabeth Lopato. I'll see you next week. Dan. Hi.
0: Welcome.
5: Glad
2: to be here. Again.
0: I will say your segment of the show is, I would say, less fraught than Ashley's segment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll make it fraught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah,
5: there's some there's some things to be fraught about here.
0: Okay, Microsoft had an event.
5: Microsoft did have an event, along with every other company under the face of the sun. Yeah, they had an event this fall.
0: It was in New York. This week. It was. You were there. Year. Yep, I was there. Tom Warren was there.
5: Apparently, Bradley Cooper was also there.
0: I've been to- this Bradley Ooh. Cooper thing is he keeps bubbling up. And I didn't see him,
2: so. I can't. Con- I cannot confirm. You probably did see him, but you blocked it from your memory because he
0: was too handsome for your <laughs> brain to comprehend. Wait, was he? Was it handsome, Bradley, or like Star Is Born, grizzled Bradley?
5: Yeah, I, I, I cannot confirm that Bradley Cooper was there because I'm receiving this all secondhand because I did not see Bradley Cooper. So the, here's the thing with it's, it's a funny Microsoft.
2: Microsoft gets Bradley <laughs> Cooper. I just want to point out that Apple had John Hamm. So That's like,
5: true. yeah, I don't know who wins in that fight. But the, here's the thing with Microsoft events, I get into this like product zone mode where I only care about finding the product as fast as possible and getting our coverage done, like doing my job. Basically this happened to me Mm. at the surface pro four event where I literally blew off the CEO of Microsoft to get my hands on the pro four. And there's a photo of me, And I think it was in a USA Today at the time standing there playing with a Pro 4 and Satya Natal is like right over my shoulder trying to look at it. And I'm like, no. (laughs) I, I, I have this newspaper clip. Saved somewhere in my house. So, so that's so I am not surprised that I did not see Bradley Cooper at the Microsoft event. <laughs> well, but good. apparently he was there.
0: You want focus? All right. So you didn't see Bradley Cooper? No.
5: I did see a lot of products, though. There you go. Yes.
0: What did uh, you see? Uh, Microsoft
5: uh, announced a ton of stuff. Um, so they announced the new Surface Pro Six, the Surface Laptop Two, an update to the Surface Studio, which is the first time that's been updated in like two years, and a pair of headphones. Uh, which like kind of came out of nowhere, yeah. um, which is kind of crazy. So uh, just to recap the news, the Pro 6 and the Laptop 2 are basically spec updates, so they updated them with the newer processors and more battery life. Feature-wise, they are exactly the same as the prior models, except they now come in this really dope-looking matte black, which is pretty awesome, uh, and they still don't have a USB-C port, which I'm sure is the fraughtness that Dieter wants to get into, which I, I totally agree with. Yeah. Um, and then the Surface Studio... Uh, has been updated with also basically the same design and it's still like the most gorgeous computer ever made. It's, it's really stunning to look at, but they made the screen better. Uh, so it's brighter now. It's got an upgraded processor and it has an actual like current or newer video card in there. So it's a lot more powerful than it was. When it first launched, which was always kind of the biggest complaint with the studio, was that it's this gorgeous, beautiful, expensive computer that has kind of old guts and underpowered uh, processors and graphics cards. So now yeah. it's it's way more up to speed and way more exciting as a product.
0: What GPU does it have?
5: So you can get it with the uh, – so here's the thing. The studio <laughs> does not run – Desktop components it right. runs laptop parts, so it has a 7th gen so it's already starting an old processor But it has a 7th gen uh, Intel processor it's a core i7 quad-core chip uh, That would have been found in like a surface book a couple of years ago uh, And then you can get the nvidia 1060 Graphics mm-hmm. card or the Nvidia 1070, both of which are the mobile versions of those graphics cards. The new graphics cards that we just reviewed, the RTX, 2080 and the 2080 TI, those do not have mobile versions yet. so right. these are like kind of the prior generation.
0: So it's kind of the same deal as last time. It's
5: a, it's a little bit of the same deal, except like last time they were like they launched it with like two generations old hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. now they're just one generation old. so that's good. so it's it's a, it's a step forward.
0: Yeah I like that the server, if you just don't know, if you just live a year behind. Yeah, the Surface Studio is like this is the
5: greatest ever. I mean, that's kind of you know you could say that about a lot of Microsoft products. <laughs> they are the most gorgeous <laughs> computers with like outdated components for Did whatever reason.
3: The Surface Studio, I, I don't know why I never made this connection. This is like the remember the twentieth anniversary of Mac? Yeah, it was just like this perfectly beautiful computer, and it's like it never looked practical in any way. But, yeah, and I mean, I, it's basically overkill for... I can't think of any reason that I would want a Surface Studio for, for use, but it is very, very beautiful. I had done nothing but imagine myself using a Surface it, Studio. It is it's
5: definitely overkill for blogging. Like, like I want one to blog on, and it is way more than I'll ever need to blog on.
0: No, but- I have a vision <laughs> when I, I raise my standing desk to a standing position, mm-hmm. and I fold this thing down so it's, like, horizontal in front of me, mm. and then I, I just... I'm just swiping. I'm yeah. just like moving. You're swiping.
5: You're dialing. You're, you're, yeah, you're I've got a the dial. Pen.
0: I'm like, turn the traffic up on this story. <laughs> and then this Trello card, I'm just like flinging it. It.
5: You take bi- the pen and you, yeah. you circle all these problems with someone's article and yeah. you're like, ah, oh, fix this.
0: B- B- John Stephen, his reporter, sits right in front of me. I'm just flinging that trailer card. It's <laughs> like flying across the room. His computer is like, beep, beep, beep. It's like he's been assigned a story. Like, <laughs> I think about it all the time. All right. That's the service studio. <laughs>
5: <laughs> to, to be fair, the service studio is really appealing if you are a digital artist. Um, yeah. I'm very excited to get our hands on the new one and uh, put Dami Lee in front of it and see what kind of art she can make with it uh, because she's a phenomenal digital artist. So it's a pretty cool computer, and obviously it looks amazing. The new screen, like the screen on the old Surface Studio was pretty stunning in person. The new one's even more. Like it's just like turned up, and it's it's, it's great. But like the mainstream products, the Pro 6 and the Laptop 2, they are, you know, they're recycling these designs, which there, there wasn't a ton of problem things with these designs, but for the Pro... This has been the same design for like four years now that Microsoft is writing. Um, and uh, it definitely could maybe use a refresh and are they're, they're not doing it this year. Um, and they still don't have usb What do you think so.
0: need... Well, so there's that. There's like mm-hmm. the port... Yeah, we'll just set. We'll just we'll just let Dieter just, do that. You in a just minute. let
2: me know when I can start
0: going about <laughs> this. Okay, I'm but, just been sitting here. <laughs> I know. But what about the Pro needs to be redesigned in your opinion?
5: Uh, I you know the trend with laptops and tablets across the board is thinner bezels, mm-hmm. uh, so you can get a bigger screen in a smaller size computer. The Pro's bezels are definitely on the larger side at this point. Um, they uh, could be thinner. You, they, that could enable Microsoft to maybe put a 13-inch screen in it when it's only 12.5 now or maybe make it just even smaller. Like uh, when we reviewed the Surface Go earlier this year, our biggest complaint were those big fatty bezels around the screen that just make the thing look dated. And the the, the Surface Pro basically has the same problem. Um, there are some really interesting things uh, that we saw from HP this week as well um, in two-in-one design that kind of, like, takes what Microsoft does with the Surface and then improves upon it. And I think they can, like, rethink how this hinge and kickstand kind of work in new ways if they really wanted to. Um, are
2: you saying that you think Microsoft should make a computer – well, they won't do leather because HP did it. They, <laughs> they, should, they should make it out of, like – Alcantara. They should. Alca, Alcantara. Alcantara. Yeah. Make the
5: whole thing out of Alcantara, right? Um, that said, the matte black finish on the Surface Pro Six is or <laughs> Surface Pro Six <laughs> is sick. Like it is really nice. Like the problem with matte black computers in general, and the Surface Laptop 2 actually has this issue, is because they're aluminum and they're anodized aluminum. Your fingerprints get all over them really quickly. Like if you've ever used a Razer laptop uh, Mm -hmm. that comes in those really cool blacks, as soon as you touch it, it gets disgusting. But the Pro 6 is made out of magnesium and it like repels your fingerprints way better. So you can actually carry this thing around without it getting all gross looking. Uh, And it it looks crazy cool uh, in person. And they put a quad core processor in it, which is cool. One thing that missed, I missed was that there was no announcement of any LTE versions, which the Surface Pro LTE, the prior generation, was like my favorite computer of the past year uh, because of its built-in LTE, and, and Microsoft did not announce that for the Pro 6. So I don't know if it's coming. They wouldn't confirm anything to me. Yeah. It's was kind of frustrated. It just seems like they ignored it.
2: And then the, I mean, I'm surprised they made it for the last generation, if I'm being totally honest. The, the problem uh, is nobody buys that. Like, you yeah, and, like, 30 other people buy that computer. Nobody
5: buys it because nobody there's, – there's none available. Like, th- when you think of, like, mm. consumer-focused – like, like laptops that are interesting for a consumer or computers that are interesting for a consumer that have LTE built in, I can think of the Surface Pro. And then if you want to get crazy and call an iPad Pro a computer, and that's it.
0: LTE. Wow, you're really coming right at Dieter. <laughs> it's like a warm up <laughs> rant
5: before we do the ports. But, like,
0: otherwise, you're looking at like Lenovo
5: ThinkPads, and those are like very businessy. Right. They're more mm-hmm. expensive. They're not like in a store that you can go in and play with and touch and use, et cetera. The LTE in those things is not as good as the LTE that's in the Pro uh, or in your phone or anything like that. So, like, it's a chicken and egg problem for sure. But if I just don't think any option consumer
0: there, or even it. corporation really wants to buy a laptop with a service plan.
5: It's, it's, it depends on your needs. My, my take on it has always been, and as someone that's constantly traveling and constantly using a computer outside of areas with Wi-Fi, if you are only tethering or only planning to use um, your phone to hotspot once or twice a month, then don't buy a computer with built-in LTE. Use your phone to hotspot. But if you need to use it more than a couple of times a week, Then built-in LTE is so much easier to use and it's worth the 10 bucks or 20 bucks a month service that you'll pay for it because you turn on your computer, it's connected. It has a stronger signal than your phone gets because it's a bigger antenna. It doesn't drain your phone's battery when you're using it. Like there's so many like pros to using this if you are someone that needs to use it and needs to use it more than once or twice a month.
2: Yeah, I mean when I when I go to like live events with Dan and I'm like bouncing between the company's crappy Wi-Fi, tethering to my phone, tethering to my other phone, seeing if there's somebody else's Wi-Fi that I could like hijack. I'm just like constantly going ah, I'm off, I'm online, I'm offline, I'm online, I'm offline, ah, and Dan's just like, "Uh, yeah, the Wi-Fi went down, I didn't even notice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: All right, maybe we're going uh,
2: to Yeah,
5: so anyways, uh, back to products that were announced, not <laughs> LTE products that were not. Um, and then the Laptop 2 is the same laptop hardware. They did improve the keyboard, so it's a little quieter to type on. I think the last laptop keyboard was great, uh, so I didn't really have any complaints with it, but this one's a little bit quieter to type on. Uh, and it also comes in matte black. It's aluminum, so you show fingerprints a little more than the Surface Pro. But again, they have mini display ports <laughs> and no USB-C. All right, yeah, let's talk okay. about
0: USB-C, and then we can talk about the headphones. Theater. because the headphones have USB-C. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <they
3: do>. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready. Let him go. Let him go. <laughs>
2: <He's> Microsoft <laughs> last year, I called them, and I was like, where the hell are the USB-C ports? They're like, look, consumers aren't ready. They, Microsoft firmly believes that uh, consumers, when they see a USB-C port, are going to take their phone's charger and plug it in with its you know little dinky 5-watt, 10-watt, whatever phone charger and think it's going to charge our laptop. They firmly believe that people won't understand how that works. Um which I think is not true. Um, but they also just, you know, they have said in the past, we don't think the ecosystem is ready. A bunch of the hubs and stuff aren't ready. But you know what? Like, uh, ah. okay, so also, I'm very mad. Like, I get their <laughs> like their love for the Surface Connector port. It is, in many ways, as a charging port, superior to USB-C, primarily because it's a mag- magnetic thing and it can, like, pop out. And that's just really nice and convenient. But, look, I want a show of hands. This is a podcast, so just... Say it out loud. Pull over in your uh, car. Please pull yeah. over in your car. Pull over in your car and just, just look into your heart. Just close your eyes. You're, you're pulled over now. Your eyes are closed. You're breathing in. You're breathing out. And now I want you to think about how much you love, how deeply committed you are to the mini display port.
0: Like, <laughs> who needs a mini display?
2: Who? Like you're you're gonna be using a dongle anyway. Exactly. Are, <laughs> nobody has ever used a mini DisplayPort without using a dongle. Like,
0: hmm. and
2: and they put
5: USB-C no, that's on the Surface I have, Go.
0: I have. Technically, it is a very oh, long dongle. Oh my god! But it's a, I have a cable that's a mini DisplayPort to DisplayPort, which I would again point out is technically that's a legally just a very long dongle.
2: So, they saved a bunch of money. They saved a bunch of, like, we didn't have to redesign anything and put the USB C thing in there or whatever. Uh, But fundamentally, like, Microsoft is participating in holding USB C from getting to the place where Microsoft feels okay using USB C. And the problem Um, is,
5: they're using it on two other laptops. Like,
0: right. It's insane. And it's on the mm-hmm. studio, right? Uh, honestly I can't remember. It does <laughs> I, remember. I, th- I think
2: I think the studio does have it, but it's not it's like there, but it's not like it's not used for power, obviously. Sure. Um, right.
0: Well so I think this is the the most
2: Oh I'm not even
0: close to time, but keep going. <laughs> wait, 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 <laughs> no, but I'm gonna say okay, I'm gonna let you keep going. But the there's no reason that you have to power your, your USB C laptop with USB C, right? Correct. I would prefer if the touch bar MacBooks had a MagSafe port for power. Yep. and then maybe also let you use USB. It, I like the yep. Surface connector. By the way, Dieter, you can get the Surface connector dongle for USB C, of course. That oh, thing yeah. is an
5: abomination. It is. I use it, and it's an abomination.
0: <laughs> all right, Dieter, conti- continue by all means. I don't know. Now I'm mad about the Surface the
2: USB <laughs> dongle that Microsoft made. I, it's 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 the uh, it's just huge. But fundamentally, they should have just—they should have swapped out the Display Port for this thing. They're holding back the entire USB-C ecosystem. Uh, everybody else has got at least one thing. Apple's gone all in, maybe too far, maybe not. They could have just put it on there, and I just don't I, like. There's like there's no justification for it other than like they didn't want to spend the money to redesign the internals of their computers. And I also conspiratorially speaking of that abomination of a dongle. I think Microsoft might not just know how how to make stuff with USB-C very well. They might not. They just might not be good at it.
0: I don't think anyone is. To be, pr- to be um, very be clear. They
2: did it on the Surface Go. They
5: did it on the Surface Book 2. It works exactly it. like we're asking them to do it on the Surface Pro or the Surface laptop. They still have the Surface connector for the main charging port. But if you're traveling and your phone uses USB-C and you only want to carry one charger with you when you're traveling, you can charge a Surface Go with the same USB-C cable that you charge your phone with. But same thing with the Surface a new two. product. But the Surface Book 2 came out a, like a year ago yeah. at this point almost. Like Surface Book 2 was the first Surface product that had a USB-C port. It's not its main charging port. It's not its main uh, I.O., I guess, because they've got USB-A ports as well. And there's other ways to connect to it. But it's there, so you can use it if you want to. And like that's really all we're asking for. We're not asking for Microsoft to remove the USB-A port at all. We are asking to get rid of the mini display port because that's kind of like, w- what year is it? But, and we're not asking to get rid of the surface connector. Like, all of the USB A port and the surface connector can stay. Just put a USB C port in place of the uh, mini display port. You got to use a dongle, anyways. The USB C port can at least use for charging and video if you have the right setup there. So, like, ah, yeah, I'm with Dieter.
0: We, uh, Vlad is at the Paris Auto Show this week and he's reporting on cars, and all these, all these new cars have USB C ports in them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which is amazing, like I love it. Like the new Jeep Wrangler has a USB-C port in it. Um, And it's funny to me that I think most people will end up buying a USB-C to lightning cable for their iPhone because of their Mm -hmm. car and not because Apple just put it in the box. Which is completely backwards of how it should be, first of all. Uh, and then you got it. Then, th- but then I think of like poor Panos. He's like, everyone will be confused. And it's like you see the person with, <laughs> you know, like, what's confusing? Surface Pro Six. and He's like plugging it into his Jeep Wrangler, and he's like, this isn't charging. You know what's
5: confusing, Panos? Half your product line has USB C, <laughs> and half does not. <laughs> That's what's confusing.
3: We gotta get he, Panos was on the vergecast like last year. We, we should just, get him Just there. to be clear, it's not like these are dying products for Microsoft, right? Like a, a company who's like, you know what? We don't make enough money on this product to invest in refreshing the internals.
5: I mean, Panos will, like, so Tom and I, who were there, we sat down with Panos, and uh, there's a number of articles uh, on the site from, you know, Tom's reporting and did some excellent, got some scoops out of that. Uh, But, like, we we asked him this USB C question why not the Service Pro 6? And he will talk endlessly about how much work they did re engineering the internals to add the newer processor, add more power, add more battery life, and do all these things without making the external chassis any thicker or changing the design at all. Like, like there there is a ton of work in making all of that happen. I don't know why they just didn't also make USB-C happen in that same process.
0: So this is what I was saying to Dieter. I think it's actually harder to USB-C well than, than anyone is letting on. So, like, I want to buy, like, a USB-C anchor power brick with, like, Five USB C PD ports. You just cannot buy that product no, as far as I know. No, can. they come no, with like man. one
5: USB C PD port and then four USB A's.
0: But so there's there has to be some reason that you can't shove like a PD port wherever you want.
5: I agree, but at the same time, the <laughs> Surface Go has one. So Microsoft has done it before.
0: <laughs> Maybe that guy left. Maybe he <laughs> turned out to be compromised by the Chinese and he got fired. You don't know. <laughs> Okay, wait, so... You know where else
5: Microsoft (laughs) has put a USB-C port? On its new headphones. Yeah, that's what I was just going to (laughs)
3: say. Oh, yeah. We should talk about those headphones, for sure. When you open up the box of Microsoft's new headphones, what cable is inside?
5: It comes with two cables. (laughs) It comes with a USB-C to USB-A to charge it. And it comes with a 3.5 millimeter to 3.5 millimeter to use as a wire. Yeah,
0: that's for the airplane.
5: For the airplane, basically, yep. that's yeah. what
0: you call the airplane cable. <laughs> that's my. I'm going to watch this weird Delta censored version of this movie tonight. <laughs> the headphones seem crazy to me.
5: The headphones are interesting. For one, they were a surprise. Um, I don't think anybody really ever expected Microsoft to make its first Surface wearable product, uh, and for that product to be headphones. But they, I think they make a compelling case for like why they fit into the Surface ecosystem. They're they're designed very much for. Uh, people who work in an open office, creative types of people who might be moving around and, like, wanting to block out noise. For starters, they are noise-canceling headphones. They're wireless Bluetooth headphones. Um, they are very similar to things like uh, the Beats Studios or Bang & Olufsen's headphones or um, Sony has uh, the WH-1000 MX something-something that are really excellent, uh, Bose noise-canceling, QC35s, excuse me. So they're all kind of like playing in that field. They're $350, bucks. they are priced around the same, they've got similar size drivers, similar size ear cups, uh, but what is unique about them is all those other ones that I mentioned either let you uh, turn off the noise-canceling with just like a binary switch, so it's either on or off, or some of them don't even let you turn it off at all. Sennheiser doesn't let you turn it off, Bo- uh, Beats doesn't let you turn it off, uh, the... Surface headphones give you thirteen different levels of noise cancellation, and you can t- turn the ring on the side of the ear cup to adjust it. So if you want to like completely block out your surroundings, you turn it all the way up. If you want to like hear your colleague talking to you or like hear the subway or some traffic or whatever, you can turn it down and it will actually ap- amplify outside noises if you get far enough along the the dial, uh, which is a super clever uh, thing that I think is actually useful. Uh, for a lot of a lot of things, if you you know are on an airplane, you want to hear an announcement. You can like rotate the dial real quickly.
2: It's pretty Would cool. you, when you rotate the dial to turn up the outside, does it also turn down whatever you're listening to, or do you need to like do a thing where like you twist <laughs> one one head one ear the one way, one ear the other way, so you can like hear what's going on and then twist them back, just like. It just it just adjusts the podcast it, it, listeners it, it, what I'm doing here.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it adjusts the noise cancellation level. So you okay. there's a point somewhere along the curve where it's zero. So it's not canceling any noise and it's not amplifying any outside noise. And you can turn the dial so that it starts to cancel the outside noise. And you can turn the dial so it starts to amplify the outside noise uh, in the other direction. So if you want to bring that mix into your ears, because because they're over-ear headphones, they naturally block out a lot of outside noise already because they're covering over your ears.
0: So I have the Sony headphones, the the MX One Thousands that let you put your hand yes. over it, and they do the same. And I have tried this on an airplane when there's an announcement. I'm like, this is, and then I just take the headphones off. Yes.
5: Yeah. The move is to just move the one ear. Yeah. Cup, it's like right?
0: very yeah. simple to solve this problem. It really feels like we're over-engineering a solution. I mean, probably this is also the company that makes the
5: Surface Studio, so like uh, over-engineering is their their brand.
0: Why do they make these headphones? They tell you
5: so. Again, the 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 reasoning that they said, and I asked them, I was like, "You are entering a very competitive space. There's a lot of headphones, a lot of established players in this area, especially in this price point." Uh, And they said that they feel like there was a need for people who are working in open offices or you know uh, those kind of like noisy environments to be able to to switch between a silent experience and an experience where they can hear the outside noise. So if their colleague comes up and walks to them. I don't know why they don't feel like pulling the ear cup off of one ear is sufficient. Um... They do have a feature where if you take the headphones off your head and put them around your neck, the music automatically pauses, and then you put them back on, it'll automatically start up again. Um, I've seen that before on like Plantronics yeah. headphones, so it's not entirely mm-hmm. a new I, feature. Maybe uh, that conflicts. Is this, is this
0: like a Cortana Trojan horse? It could be a little bit. Right? They do, they do have... really good headphones. Are a little bit. Are they cheaper than everybody else? No, they're about the same mm-hmm. price. All right, Well, so much the Trojan <laughs>
5: horse theory. I, I like the uh, I mean, idea. Like, of they mixing... do have Cortana built in.
3: I like this idea of mixing the noise cancellation though, because it can be kind yeah. of uncanny, but it's at a hundred percent, right? And so you can maybe get a bit of vibe for your uh, your office or also also I it's weird. I know that Microsoft's obviously you know targeting this at, at young creative professionals, but I I am noticing that the next generation just uses Discord all the time. Like there are a lot of people that are always like basically a a mute button away from a voice conversation with somebody. So it also makes sense. It's like it feels like headphones with a microphone are becoming sort of a key part of using a Windows computer. Sure. That's They're strange. also
5: very proud of the microphones on these. They have a total of eight. So there's four noise-canceling microphones and then four beam-forming microphones, which are designed to pick up your voice when you're on a call or in a Discord chat or something like that, uh, you which know, they claim is twice as many as competitors.
2: If did, if you plug this thing into your computer over the USB port, will it become a USB audio device? It
5: will not. I asked if there did audio out over USB-C, and they do not. They are only used for charging. The, uh, the USB-C port is only used for charging. Uh, okay. And if you want to do audio, just about out, to go you on the whole thing, three point five mil.
0: <laughs> you know what's interesting to me is that, as Paul saying, voice chat on the computer is so important, and Microsoft has made this great hardware with all these microphones and the beam forming. And then someone should just hire someone to work at Skype, hmm. because <laughs> if that was, if because no one
3: works there anymore. Maybe the guy that put <laughs> USB C in the Surface Go is now working at Skype.
0: <laughs> It'd yeah. be great It'd soft if, uh, if Microsoft's voice chat product Skype had any employees or any further development.
2: I want to ask you all. Like the there were like Tom. Tom actually had a really great tweet about this. There were like thirty articles that came out like yeah right after the Microsoft event that said Microsoft is the new Apple. Mm-hmm. App, Apple. Apple.
0: Yeah. Microsoft's the new <laughs> Let Apple. Those Midwestern roots uh, shine, buddy.
2: Yeah. Uh, they have a you know the the case is basically that. They have a, a a coherent product lineup that uh, makes sense for different product segments and there's nothing in it that like other than complaining about USB-C, really drives as much consternation as say the the MacBook Pros have amongst its user base and the you know the MacBook errors just still exists for some reason. What do you make of that? Dan, especially you, like having held the products, does it uh, does, it, so does I, it feel coherent? Does it feel apply in some way to you? I,
5: I I think there's a couple of aspects to that. One Microsoft is coming from, like, almost an underdog status where it's 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 coming from below. Like, no, it has had less expectations for a long time. The original Surface product lines were not that great. They were kind of panned. They lost a ton of money on them. So it's been kind of on this upswing for the past half decade or whatever. So it's got that benefit from them, whereas Apple is, like, all the way at the top. So, like, any slight mistake is going to bring Apple down um, and, you know, the – Apple MacBook Pros have had plenty of uh, mistakes to complain about. Uh, I think that there are, like you said, fewer like deal-breaking issues with them. Uh, and I think that the products that they're making are just in general, more exciting than the products in these categories that Apple has released. Apple's MacBook line, the laptop line, uh, and even the desktop line has like not been super exciting for a long time. It's 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 very much a lot of the same types of things. The The latest MacBook draws a straight line back to the first, you know, um, PowerBook. There hasn't been a whole lot of change in what these computers mean or do, whereas Microsoft is innovating on all these different uh uh, uh, designs and applications and way that you can use your computer and how it fits into your life and they've really done a good job at telling that narrative and telling that story like uh, Dieter in your recent processor episode how important a story is to go with products Microsoft mm-hmm. has been telling a really good story for its Surface line at least for the past couple of years especially with products like the Surface Studio, the Surface Laptop, the Surface Pro, things like that That in, in how these can like integrate into your fun, hip, creative ways of life and, and make your life better and make yourself more creative it, and that has a lot to do with it uh, and but at the end of the day the products are, are good they work well they're exciting they're different they're unique they're new like there's a lot of like freshness with this that you don't get from Apple's traditional Mac line at this point
0: Tr- yes the traditional Mac line yes <laughs> they're like it's got a touch bar <laughs> um, it's I mean they're, they're doing stuff but here's I have a different read on that it's great, and these products are cool. I think Microsoft has, like, revitalized Windows, revitalized the ecosystem with them. They don't sell a lot of them. They do not. Uh, certainly
5: not in compared to, like, HP and Dell, which moves the majority of PCs. So
0: here, here's my read on it. I, I was talking to Microsoft folks, too. PC sales, if you look at them, and it really depends on whether you count the iPad Pro or the iPad as a PC. But if you look at them, they were dropping, 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 and they've stabilized to up. Right? Yep. It, it, it depends on – it really depends on what you call a PC. But no matter what, what you put in the definition, they, they've stopped dropping and they're stable up top. Uh, and Microsoft actually, I think, gets credit for that because the HPs, the Dells, the Asus of the world, they were not going to spend the money up front to compete with Apple. Right? They were not going to build the integrated products. They were not going to do the design work. They were not going to do the, mi- the marketing work. They were not going to hire the hip kids to be in the ads, just twisting that Surface dial. They were not going to make a, a trackpad that can compete with Apple. They, they had not done it for a long time. There, as their sales were dropping, there was no incentive to, to, to gamble in like on the R&D and, and get there. So what Microsoft did was they scared all of that partner world and said, we're gonna pay the money up front. We're gonna make our own hardware. We're gonna, revi- we're gonna re-architect Windows. Like, Windows 10 will be our thing. It's different now, it's not Windows 8. We fired that guy.
5: Which, for the record, launched with a Surface product.
0: <laughs> Fair. But they, they said, we're gonna make our own hardware. And then I think what they get no credit for is all of the R&D work that they did Hinges, designs, thermals, whatever—they have actually given away to that ecosystem of partners. Yeah, because Microsoft's business is selling the Windows license, right. or at least in that in that part of the business. Well, so so, that's so actually- is, if HP makes a better laptop using a Microsoft hardware design, they still get to buy that. They still they still get that sale of a Windows license, right. and that is the thing that I think has saved. It's the high end of Windows laptops. It's way more interesting than ever before, mm-hmm. way more competitive with Apple than ever before, in many cases ahead of Apple. And Microsoft gets this like this little corner of that high end, but HP and Dell also get a chunk of it. And that's I think what stabilized their sales. I don't think people think of Surface as that thing. They think of it as their competitor to Apple, but really it's the thing that enables the Windows ecosystem as a whole to be super competitive at the high end and then trickle down to the low end. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Microsoft never talks about that.
5: Yeah, I mean, you're right. And if you look around at the uh, field of PC worlds, there are Surface Pro clones all over the place that use almost the exact same design as the Surface Pro. Um, I think the Surface Pro is probably the best executed one out of all of them. Uh, but you're right. there, they, Microsoft made it possible to charge a premium price for a premium Windows PC. And that allowed HP and Dell to use some of those designs and uh, R&D benefits from Microsoft and charge a premium price for their products as well and come out with things like HP's leather computer that we saw earlier this week.
0: Um, (laughs) That was like a rejected Panos design. He's like, I don't know, guys. We covered this one in leather. It, It was just I was drunk at the time. You, and HP is like, yep, yeah, that's uh, that's our new signature. Yeah. Product. <laughs> but but
5: you're, <laughs> you're right in that like, making hardware and selling hardware is never going to be business, uh, Microsoft's business model. Microsoft's business model is services and it's software. And whether it's selling that software and services to OEMs like HP and Dell or whether that's selling Office 365 to businesses and consumers or whether it's the new thing that they announced as well, uh, a, a monthly – Plan where you pay for the hardware and you pay for Office 365 in one single bundle that you pay like a subscription fee for Microsoft products. Basically, that's their business model. So, like anything that drives that business model is good for Microsoft. Anything that doesn't drive that business model will fall away, and they're yeah. probably going to lose interest. it. In.
0: You know, it was that same. Um, you know, there's we we should switch and talk about Google, but um, you know that there's the rumors that new Chromebooks will dual boot to Windows. And I, like in the course of the same conversation, I was like, do you guys care about that? And they're like, we've never heard about this, but if they're buying a Windows license, that's great. <laughs> and like, huh. I th- I don't think people give Microsoft enough credit for understanding what their real business is. I mean, Dieter, how many companies, I'm thinking most notably of Palm, have tried to license their operating system and then build a hardware business that competes with their licensees? It like ne- never works. Google yeah. right now with Android, I don't think they think of the Pixel phones is like driving the high end of the Android market. I think they're trying to make a phone that competes with Apple, right? Like Microsoft is actually doing something different by creating all of this space and incentivizing their partners to, to make better products or doing the R&D and the research for those partners. And then the whole thing is competitive in a way that I don't think anyone else has ever managed to pull off.
2: Yeah, I, I, you could make the case that Google is trying to do something similar with um, Chromebooks and the Pixelbook. They have been much more hands-on with a lot of Chromebook designs than they have been with Android stuff. So, last year, there was the uh, Samsung Chromebook uh, Plus, and there was that OP1 processor, which ended up not going anywhere, which is strange, but whatever. Um, And then there was the Pixelbook, um, and then, you know, we've got rumors about next week. So, in that area, they might be doing something a little bit similar Um, but yeah, like historically, if you make stuff and license your software, it doesn't go well for you, but it's always hard to know like how much of that is, um, that that business model is fundamentally flawed and how much of it is if you're in a position, like a lot of those companies when they get in that position are just sort of flailing in the first place. (laughs) Um, Like Palm specifically, like they, they changed their business model 13 times. So I do think what Microsoft is doing is relatively unique. I also, uh, without saying too much, think that, um, Intel might be doing has, has a, a related strategy, uh, in terms of, uh, teaching people how to make better computers.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, you talked about Google. We should do that. So here's what's going to happen. You, the listener, are going to listen to this advertising segment from Ericsson 5G, which is sponsoring the Vergecast this week. Then we're going to come back and talk about Google. All right. Listen to this.
6: And now, the 5G Meditation Minute. Welcome. Just relax your body. Breathe. Repeat your mantra and feel the calm wash over you. 5G is here. 5G is here. And it's going to change the way we live. This next generation of wireless technology will revolutionize how we send and receive data. And Ericsson is one of the companies building the infrastructure we'll need. Push away the bad reception and overcrowded networks. 5G uses multiple antenna to boost capacity. So in large crowds of people, like at a packed concert, you can still connect and share selfies instantly. <sighs> Embrace the cloud. With minuscule latency and edge computing, 5G makes even remote files behave as if they were on your device, and you will have so much more to be thankful for. Augmented reality, 8K streaming, AI-assisted services, smart cities, and the ever-growing internet of things. Your future is empowered by 5G. <sighs> Lie back. Lie back be present. Focus on real connections. Ericsson is bringing 5G to life. Breathe in and breathe out. Repeat your mantra and feel the calm wash over you. 5G is here.
0: <sighs> okay, we're back. Thank you to Ericsson 5G
3: for sponsoring the broadcast this week. Paul yeah, Well, just one to I realized that earlier we asked people to pull over to take a poll. <laughs> I don't know if we ever reactivated them to continue. No, I'm just saying. They're still it's okay sitting okay to, there it's okay thinking to,
0: about mini display board. It's okay to drive. Uh, there's like a quarter million people across the world just <laughs> sitting on the side of the road being like, I hate mini display ports. Holding up traffic. <laughs>
3: All right. Paul, every week. My yeah. I do a segment. It's called. Type like nobody's watching. Ooh. Because this is an ugly piece of garbage that I really want to buy. <laughs> so this is the uh the free right traveler. I don't know if you guys free right is like one of oh, the like, yeah, yeah. original old school Kickstarter successes. They created this incredibly you know, you know what it reminds me of of um man, this is gonna be a pretty deep reference. Do you remember the box art for the original Sim City? Not SimCity 2000, the original SimCity. It had this sort of, sort of yes. weird... It's like it's it's like the hardware version of skeuomorphic design. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a very ugly product. But the idea is you have a nice keyboard, you have an ink display, and so you can write distraction-free. Well, so now they've made a new product called the FreeWrite Traveler, which is like, it, it's a clamshell. It's kind of like the, like the, the mm-hmm. Sony Viop... So it's got a tiny, it's the same little tiny uh, e-ink screen, but now it closes over the keyboard, and so it's a lot more portable, which is nice. Um, it's still just, it's got these design accents. It's got these like, I don't know how you describe. It's like kind of steampunk hinges. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. And it's ugly, and they should they should be ashamed of themselves. It's got
0: weird curly cues around the screen, or like one of the screens.
3: Yeah, because it
0: has like two ink displays, or one with a plastic bar.
3: It's messed up, and I would be embarrassed to type on this. But it's also, in a sense, like basically my ideal product, and I'm so proud of them for making it. So I'm very conflicted. Um, I'm gonna get you one. How much does it cost? Well, it's it's 269 with early bird, but it's gonna go up to 5.99. For what retail. what? Yeah.
0: So, here's,
3: and here's my thing.
0: You cannot charge people $600 for steampunk hinges. Here's the
3: ideal This is an outrage. The ideal product for Does me. Does the hinge go
2: beyond 90 degrees? I'm watching I'm watching the video and the the hinge is always at exactly 90 degrees when it's know. open and
3: that seems bad. They should lean <laughs> into some of that Microsoft uh, hinge IP. It's Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Microsoft
5: charges thirty five hundred dollars for a hinge. So
3: I'm just gonna say, like, if you look, th- just go go
0: pull over your car again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But just go look at our story and look at this photo, and it's just there's like a there's the main e ink display, and then another one just below it, on which is printed the word "set your story free," but it's set in like old English type.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> like it's just it. I don't okay. We're all going to buy these. My
3: ideal product. Yeah, I mean, Neil, yeah, this is, is, is
2: this is how so you write the ye old blog posts on this. Right. You <laughs> you
3: take this. You take. Oh, by the way, this can like auto sync to like Evernote or uh, Dropbox or Google Drive. But yeah. you take this. You just rip off the screen. And then you have a keyboard where you can just type things, <laughs> and then they still auto sync to the cloud. That's my dream That's product. That's pretty good. Nobody's built it.
5: So, what would you be typing into? You just wouldn't see the. You would know. Yeah, you just have, like, a text buffer.
3: You just have, like, text. You're just making a very long text document. And, And whenever you start typing, it's just storing everything that you type.
5: And while you're typing, you can't see it. Correct. And then you go to your device right. that it's synced to, and you go but like, "Oh, that's what I importantly, wrote." Importantly, there are my typos. There's
3: a little light that blinks when you type, so that you know it's being saved, so you don't freak out. Because sometimes I try to do this where I like pair a Bluetooth keyboard, and then I put my computer across the room and type. But I keep on having to get up just to check that it's because I'm just scared that I'm, it's, all these genius thoughts aren't being recorded. Oh my god! Well, we're all gonna get free ride travelers,
0: and then we're all gonna. Go down to our local pirate ship and write the way God intended. <laughs> Is that like a clippy screen? I don't. Whatever, Dieter. Yeah, let's do five minutes on Google Preview and get out of here. What's going on next? So week? Uh, everything's leaked. Uh, <laughs> the, the end. Uh, now, so the it's in
2: New York. It's on Tuesday, and uh, we know that there's going to be two Pixel, Pixel Three, Pixel Three XL. We know that the Pixel 3 XL is going to have a big old notch to make room for what appears to be a second camera, probably a wide aspect ratio camera. Aspect wide, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, It's probably going to have wireless charging. There's probably going to be a special dock for it. Uh, There's leaks about uh, potential, like, Pixelbook Book Two with a bigger screen. There is uh, pretty clear leaks about a tablet that is going to run Chrome OS, fulfilling my uh, three-year, two and a half-year, whatever rant that Android tablets are dead and Google's going to replace them with Chrome OS. They're finally doing it. Listen to you know what I say when I predict things because <laughs> you know they never come true except when they do three years later. Um, <laughs> And then we've seen Google smart dis- or smart displays before, but only from like Lenovo and JBL. But it looks like Google's going to make one called the Home Hub, which is going to take on the Echo Show, and that might be all. Uh, and yeah. that might not even, we not even get all of that. So there have been leaks about the fact that the fact that all this other stuff has leaked so much, especially the phones. Like It's possible that like they've got something weird with Pixel Buds, or it's possible they got something weird with uh, Google Clips, or maybe they'll update Google Wi-Fi or whatever. But since everything else is leaked so extensively, the fact that there haven't been leaks about this other stuff makes me a little bit dubious that so we'll be surprised by something. But, you yeah. know, you never know.
0: I mean, um, it would be great yeah. if they updated Pixel Buds, right? I mean... Those, they didn't go off the way that they wanted to.
2: Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. It looks like they're going to be including a pair of USB-C headphones in the box with the Pixel 3, and the last I saw, they were planning on using that same headphone style with, like, the it sits in the out, outside of your ear, and then you use the little cloth cable thing to, like, push it through and have it fit in your ear hole better, uh, which I didn't love with the Pixel Buds, but I also prefer noise-isolating headphones, so I didn't want to be too judgy about it. Um, yeah. But I don't know how well those will hold up over time. Uh because there were some or, or there were worries with the Pixel Buds that, that like that thing wouldn't stay, you know,
0: within a friction over
2: time.
5: Yeah. To to be clear uh, though, that uh, was definitely the least worst problem of the Pixel Buds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basic operation. Um Yeah. And you would hope that they fix the Bluetooth stack and all these things. Dan, you actually mm-hmm. just reviewed the LG V forty. I did. Which has f- five cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about the ones in the back. It has a wide angle lens in the front.
5: Yeah. It has, has two cameras on the front. It's got a standard selfie camera and then one that is slightly wider so you could fit like another friend in your Are
0: selfies. we expecting that Google is doing with the Pixel 3 what it has done in years past which is like reuse an LG design? Like is this, are these things going to be related?
5: That's a good question. I don't – you know, the one thing that hasn't leaked, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've seen it, uh, is who is actually manufacturing these new Pixel phones. Last year, the Pixel 2 small one was made by HTC. The uh, x 2 XL was made by LG. They were Google Designs, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's interesting to see if that kind of will play out again this year. What's also interesting is all the leaks that have happened um, show the Pixel 2 to not have that notch that the Pixel 2 – or excuse me, the Pixel 3 – uh, not have that notch that the Pixel 3 XL has. Um mm-hmm. so will it have the same front camera array?
2: Yeah. I think it yeah. will. I think I think it will. Google's been pretty good about holding, yeah. holding both phones be the same and I I I would be shocked if they changed that. But I mean, the deal with the camera, like whatever they do with the front facing, I uh, if that's their selling point, mm-hmm. br- I'm more interested in what will they do to the main camera to advance it? Because right now the Pixel Two and Two XL uh, for us and for a lot of the people who look at pictures, we prefer it to the iPhone XS. Oh, so man. can they push beyond that? Oh man! And, and you're want, now you wound me up. Well, I mean, you yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's been rumors that they're going to integrate a bunch of lens features into the the camera as well. Uh, so that could be a thing. Like it might have like more AI stuff going. Like when you have the camera thing open. Um, put I'm hoping it's more than just like AI in the camera. hope they actually improve the the camera quality. Um, but for me, the big question is pricing. Are they gonna Are they gonna hold steady on the the you know about a thousand bucks, about seven hundred bucks or whatever for the smaller one? Or are they
0: gonna try and push that down to compete with other Android phones or what? I think they're gonna hold steady, right? I mean, they yeah. got the 10R coming out right at that price point. They're cheaper than the Samsung phones. Well, not anymore. I mean, the S9 is already in discount cycle mode right but yeah. i think that they're going to stay right where they are cuz they don't want to they don't want to go after that high end where apple is Do you,
5: you don't think they're going to go higher then? no i think they're So gonna like the, the seven... Pixel 2 XL was what like 850ish yeah right um, well it's interesting though, the V40 that you just mentioned is nine hundred to nine hundred and eighty dollars, depending on which carrier. Things are getting iPhone. crazy. Um, and then we know the Note Nine is a thousand and up, and most of the Note Nines that are selling are the five twelve models, which are more than thousand um, dollars. So there's there's customers out there <laughs> that will that will pay it. Obviously, obviously, Apple has no trouble selling. Look, here's a,
0: the Chinese government gets a hold of you, and starts paying you off, <laughs> some extra money in your pocket. <laughs> Can I rant and rave about the iPhone XS camera blogging war that is occurring right now? We have not really covered yes. this at all.
2: Yeah, I've been I've been waiting for this to start because I okay. like, there's been a whole thing at Halide, Halide, Halide Halide Halide,
0: which is the camera app that I use. It is excellent on the iPhone. If you have yeah. an iPhone, you should use Halide. I don't do and uh, Sebastian and the other developers who make it are great. They're like incredible developers. They're very smart. We're friendly on Twitter. I don't, like, there's a lot of love in my heart for Halide and the the Halide family. (laughs) But this is actually a gate. Marquez Brownlee made a video last week called, like, iPhone Gates Explained because there's always a gate with Apple. So, like, you think this is all overblown because it's always silly. But basically, the front camera on the XS is super aggressive with noise reduction, and it looks like it's smoothing your skin, right? Right. And so there's, like, a beauty gate, like, are they doing the Samsung thing where they beauty filter you? But really, these cameras, and this is all in the Halide blog post, which you go read. The cameras, they shoot at faster shutter speeds and higher ISOs, and so they're noisier. So they do more noise reduction, and then you get the smoothing effect. Mm. So that's like one one thing, which I tend to agree with, because I ask Apple directly, do you do beauty smoothing? And they're like, no. And I don't think they lie about that stuff. But that is like bleeding over into this comparison with the Pixel, right? So I just want to read you this line. Because what I'm always what I've been saying about the Pixel is the Pixel has more detail in the photos, which is yeah. If you just look at it with your eyes, that is true, right? Your your eyes, which are ultimately <laughs> the only tool that you as a human have. <laughs> anyway, the iPhone XS merges exposures and reduces. By the way, this is under one of my photos. They they uh-huh. pulled a comparison photo from our review of the Pixel. It's a photo of Maria, actually, our our uh, social media producer. But uh, the iPhone XS merges exposures and reduces the brightness of the bright areas and reduces the darkness of the shadows. The detail remains, but we perceive it as less sharp because it has lost local contrast. In the photo above, the the skin looks smoother simply because the light isn't as harsh. It's there. But your stupid eyes can't see it anymore is basically where we've arrived with evaluating the iPhone XS camera. I mean, I I get where they're coming from.
5: This blog post was written by some deep camera nerds. And I I think they're writing for deep camera nerds without realizing that the – general populace is reading this and reading that and reading it the way that you're interpreting, which is a normal way to interpret it. But then I hear it and I'm like, oh, yeah, local contrast. So they turn the sharpening down. So yeah. like,
0: no, I'm with you. And again, <laughs> this is the camera app that I use. I think if you have an iPhone, you should go spend the money on this app because it's worth it. These developers are incredibly smart. They're very friendly. There's lo- There's an outpouring of love <laughs> from me to them. I want to be abundantly clear about that. But then this, like you're saying, is being sucked away, and people are like, oh, I, that's just, the sensor's, the sensor's worse and Google's just doing software tricks, and you can just run this through Photoshop. And like, no, you cannot. <laughs> you absolutely cannot. And also, at this point, claiming that these cameras are doing quote-unquote software tricks is nonsense because they are software cameras, fundamentally. The sensor doesn't matter because what they're doing is taking – I mean, it matters, but they're taking multiple exposures and creating a synthesized image Mm -hmm. out of those multiple exposures. So you press the shutter. You are not actually capturing what is happening at that moment in time. You're capturing a range of time, and it's building an image in software. So when you're like, it's software tricks. It's like, yeah, dog. The whole thing is a software yeah. trick. Yeah,
5: I mean, which to be fair is exactly what Google's doing with the Pixel. Right. Phones.
0: So like, you yeah. can't yeah. you can't be like their so- you can be like their software trick is better or more pleasing to me, but you can't be like Google's lying to you. Through so- <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're all lying. lot at this point. Like the it's called computational photography. What is real? Yeah. You know what occurs <laughs> to me
2: why is this a is camera. If you look at a camera lens, technically you're saying it's capturing multiple moments in time and then capturing it into that that camera lens. If you look at physically at a camera lens, it is in fact a flat circle. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> who do you believe?
3: Really? Reddit.com/r/apple,
0: you're Have eyes. Ever
3: <laughs> stop to consider that maybe your bias. <laughs> oh. All right, that's it. <laughs> Goodbye. Just buy the, the big story with the Pixel
0: 3, regardless of all these leaks, is gonna be what they did with the camera. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so like that's the thing to focus on. And I just I just implore you, when you're when you read the both fanboys being like, that's a software trick. The detail is there, but you can't perceive it, which is just my favorite. It's just like my one of the most insane things I've ever read in the in the context of a consumer camera review, just remember: all that really matters is whether you like what it looks like or not. That's at the end of the day; that is the only thing that matters. So just keep that, keep that in your heart. That we're going to end on that up note, hmm. right there. Just, or just pull over on the side of the road. <laughs> no, they're still pulled over for the, the last <laughs> time. Pull, pull over more. And just ask going yourself: who are you going to believe? <laughs> all right. That's the end of the Vergecast. I want to plug two things. One, Dan really did review the V40. Yes. Five uh, cameras.
5: I want to plug Guidebook in general. It's busy season for Guidebook, so uh, all the how-tos and reviews of every product that I've been on here to discuss, you guys have discussed over the past few weeks, are hitting Guidebook in uh, Fast and Furious. Basically, every day we have new reviews and content, so verge.com slash guidebook. Please click.
0: Megan Ferkmanesh, who's an excellent reporter, uh, has been following the end of Telltale Games, it's a studio that just up and died late in September. Go read that. She wrote, she interviewed a bunch of people, including got the CEO on the record talking about what happened at Telltale. Why'd you push that button? It's come back October 17th. The trailer drops next week. Thanks for Ashley for being on the show. You can talk to us. I'm Reckless. Paul is Future Paul. Dieter is back on. Dan is DC Seifert. That's it. That's the first cast. Rock and roll. Paul. Promo code. This episode of the Vergecast is brought to you by Ericsson 5G. 5G isn't just a step up from 4G, it's a game-changing advancement. It's 100% faster in the ultra reliable low latency network it means it can connect more than phones and tablets, it connects everything. Imagine a jam session with band members miles apart in perfect sync. It's happening. Imagine an 8K entertainment system in your self-driving car that rivals your home theater. 5G will have the power to revolutionize existing industry models or even create entirely new ones. This is just a glimpse of what the future will look like with Ericsson and 5G. Find out how 5G will transform the world at ericsson.com slash 5G. That's ericsso ncom slash 5G.